Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Verge. Today, we have two of Divergent's own, Miss Nicole and Miss Nikita. Welcome, ladies, to the podcast. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Rebecca. <laughs> I'm going to, no problem. I'm going to let you both introduce yourself. So, Nikita, can you introduce yourself and give us a little bit of your background and how you ended up at Divergent? Absolutely. Um, so as Rebecca mentioned, my name is Nikita Brown. I'm a principal with Divergent on the delivery side. Um, my background starts in about 2002 uh, as an application coordinator with Kaiser Permanente, a large HMO on the West Coast, um, who I was with for about seven years before I started consulting. Um, and I consulted for a number of years prior to settling down at Divergent because I just loved the culture, uh, first project that I worked with them and decided that that's where I wanted to make my home. So I started as a, a consultant, um, then went to senior consultant, um, and now I am a principal. Awesome. Nicole, over to you. Sure. Um, my name is Nicole Boos, and I actually started out um, through a healthcare agency called Athena Health out of Ohio, um, and I was doing some actually just a unit registration for them and got introduced into the consultant world. And that was probably about seven years ago um, and have been doing that ever since. So I've been um, a consultant at the elbow uh, training and I've done some um, lead work and I started with Divergent as a consultant as well in 2017 and now I have transitioned through a couple of different positions within the organization, and now I'm landed with um, as a manager for the delivery side. And um, I've um, actually had the privilege of being uh, one of the best mentees of Nikita Brown. So, um, been a great experience, and I love love it so far. More to come. <laughs> Yay! Let's. Let's dive in because you guys here at Divergent are known as go live people, you know, within the uh, epic world and being able to handle some of the biggest go lives that I've, you know, ever heard of and been a part of. And so what are some of the lessons learned that you come out of after all these years, all these go lives? You, you beat me in go live count. I think I've done 20, but you guys far exceed that. And so... What are one or two lessons learned that you, you know, know that you're not going to do each time now moving forward? That is a, a great question, um, Rebecca. And I think that um, so what's helpful for both Nicole and myself is that we have gone through a number of roles and positions, even within the electronic medical record space. So we've both been um, at the elbow we have both been project managers, um, so we've we've had the opportunity to rinse and repeat a number of times. Um, I think one of the a couple of the uh, must dos uh, that I would take away from each engagement would be um, ensuring the quality of the resources. So whatever that requires, um, whether that is individual interviewing, um, more recorded services, uh, having our recruiting team um, screen 
candidates going through multi-level of screening for those candidates, whether it's recruiting um, the engagement manager and executive level screen, um, just to really get a feel of that consultant, whether they know the information, um, how they are emotionally going to be able to connect with someone that's struggling, whether they'll be empathetic, Um, just being able to go into a project with a level of certainty that we know what this individual is going to provide definitely can uh, make or break the outcome of that engagement. Um, Nicole, what are you, what are you Um, thinking? I I would definitely to piggyback off of that. I think too, is just to know that not one engagement will be the same. Um, It's a good lesson learned. We, We go through several different scenario situation. So having the understanding that anything can happen um, and you need to be prepared for anything. Um, And then the last thing I would say is to what I've learned over definitely the last couple of years is to not take things personal and to remain, you know, um, at an even level and understand that, you know, there are so many different dynamics in this space. I love that. You two are the, we've spoken a lot. We've, uh, you know, done an RFP for a large organization and Nikita stood up in front of them and did um, her presentation. I think that you two are the calmest cucumbers at the organization, (laughs) knowing how many laptops have probably been thrown at you or, you know, pissed off people have come. You guys maintain like your cool cucumber. Um, I, I don't know how, how you're able to do that. I just, I envy you both knowing how much you've gone through also coming up through the ranks and doing go lives. I think that um, Nicole and I have very similar personality types where like someone just wouldn't know how like externally I don't show it. It's like the ultimate (laughs) poker face because even right now I am just like deathly afraid (laughs) Public speaking is not my thing, but I think that the skill in that that I do have is being able to remain composed. So regardless of my nerves, like I do a lot of things that I'm afraid of just because I can't let that fear control how I perform, what I say, how I behave. I like I have to I tell myself like you have to get get control of yourself, get a handle of this, but I am often nervous. <laughs> I do the same thing. I, I sort of jump and figure it out on the way down. And the whole time my stomach's like, I want to throw up and, and I'm thinking, what the hell? And why did I just make this jump? But then you figure it out and you have to maintain that like coolness. Like I've got this, you know, type of uh, mentality. Nicole, how absolutely. About you? Absolutely. I, I think that the poker face is real. <laughs> there has definitely are some challenging times and um, you just can't show it. So um, I'm sure Nikita yeah. would agree that there are times that at the end of the day, we're back in our rooms, we're like punching the wall or <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. Isn't it good that you guys have each other though, right? Especially when you're doing some go lives together, or maybe when you're not, you do have that you know, that cucumber outside look, but you're able to go back, have dinner with each other in, you know, the closed lock room and, and be able to, you know, sort of be each other's psychologists, you know, back and forth and let it out and then rest for the next day. Reset. And- Absolutely. <laughs> 
that we've both done every role. So neither of us um, are expecting the other to do something that we haven't performed. We, we know what the other is experiencing. We know whether or not we can lend a hand or where we can um, offer legitimate support. It's not a, oh, how can I help you? No. Can I specifically do this for you? Yeah. Because I know that this is a requirement. Yeah. So to have someone that you work with that you met at work that has the same work ethic as you and very similar personality type. It's like, it's like a match made in heaven. (laughs) There's a duo. Okay. There's lots of traveling, right? With go lives. I used to be a road warrior uh, for three years, back and forth from Tennessee to California for three years. So what are your travel like pet peeves? And what is like, where do you sit on the plane? Are you a middle seater, an edge, a window seater? Window like, seat all talk. day. I I <laughs> am very specific in not only just my seats, but the type of plane that I will fly in. So I okay. look up the type of plane, I get the seating map, and I am a window seat all day. Yeah. Even to this day, like and- I get upgrades sometimes and yeah. I'm like, no, if it's not a window seat, I don't want it. <laughs> You don't want it. Wow. Even when you're upgraded. And so are you married to a airline company? Like I'm only Delta. Delta Delta me all day. (laughs) Yes. Same. And I'll do window or aisle. I just won't do a middle. So yeah, I wouldn't take a, because a first class that has a middle seat isn't like a true first class anyway. I want a pod. So um, yeah, I'm very specific about my airline. It's got to be Delta or JetBlue because they both have the best um, kind of lay flat for reasonable prices in my opinion. And then I'm a Marriott. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm very loyal to Marriott as well. Yeah. Yeah. National actually. National as well. I think Yeah. Rental car. Yeah. I still use national rental car and I may or may not use a company I used to work for in their code to get my discount, which is still really good. So, uh, Yes, it's it's, we didn't it's hear that, good. Rebecca. Okay, <laughs> you, I want to know: Do you are you the first person to board the plane when they call like your your grouping, or do you wait back? So I'm one that like waits back and lets everybody board, and then they're like, "Last call for anybody," and I'm the one entering the plane. No, what do you know? <laughs> I I have a very expensive carry on. And okay. I would never check my luggage. So I've got to be like near the beginning. And I'm always high priority because I need the cabin space. I would take another flight if I had to check my carry-on. Really? Yeah. I've always checked. I always check. I have too many shoes. And <laughs> I haven't had my bag lost yet. Knock on wood. <laughs> I haven't either. Knock on Nicole. wood. I, I haven't. But I'm definitely a, a first um I get on first. Yeah, I, I definitely, I don't want to wait. And even though the the biggest thing that I have about getting boarding or offboarding is the fact that people will take their sweet little time walking down that little aisle. It's like, come on, let, let's keep up the pace here. So, yeah. Uh, I so since I'm like the last boarder, I recently flew with my grandma who's about to be 92, and she heard like first of all, I don't go sit in the area of that gate. I like to sit like where there's no people, and then 
So she wanted to be over in that area. I was like, no, Mima, we're fine here. And then she heard that she was getting called, you know, that you could board early. And she's like, do you want to board? We got to board. And I'm like, no, that's like when the old people board. She's like, I am not old. And she sat right back down. Oh, no, you've <laughs> got to take advantage me. of traveling with those that Absolutely. need extra time, Rebecca. <laughs> no, she she oh, walked wow. 2.3 miles every day. She is a quick as a wet, yeah. But um, I, don't I definitely get that, that because at the end, that. that irritates me too. When everybody stands up, it's like, where are you going? Like you have 60 people in front of you, like relax. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's good. <laughs> All right. Switching back to go live. Sometimes you have, you know, 10 people to manage. The last one you just did, was it like 300 or we've had up to, I think, 500 people to manage all at one time. How do you manage all these people going to different locations at different times, working 24-7 so that we can cover the night shift? What do you do? How do you sleep at night? I think at this point, we just think and go live because regardless of the size of the project, um, every process is the same. Um, We're still plugging a resource into a location that needs support. So good documentation is number one. Um, being able to manage the project, where where we're at, what's done, what needs to be done, what's outstanding, who's working on it, who's responsible, who do we report to, those types of things, kind of standard project management. Um, so solid requirements. If I know what's going on, no matter how many, even all the departments are the same. Um, you know, every, every client is special. Every client's build is special. Every situation and project will be different and unique in some way. But ultimately, there's a primary care, there's a peds. Sometimes there is or is not a women's care. There's emergency services, there's surgery. All Everything fits into a bucket. Um, so I think that we we kind of settled on a number of around 120. If a project exceeds that amount, then we need an additional project manager. Mm-hmm. Um, and we still would work together, break down those requirements. And then we start plugging those resources into those locations. Um, for me, it doesn't get any more complex when the number grows a little bit. And I think our final um, number for one of our largest activations was around 900 with the different work streams that we had going on at one time. So having a dedicated management resource um, is key. Having good communication amongst the team is key. Um, Nicole, what would you Um, add? Overall, I would add just the pre-planning to that. So just having Mm -hmm. access to whatever information that we need prior to, you know, go live. Like, so we're for the most part, we're an advantage where we do have a lot of information, you know, a month, two months and um, prior to start date. And that's really key with preparation to making sure that once it starts, we, we can manage it um, efficiently. So um, I think that's def- definitely very important to point out. How do you communicate to all, you know, 900 people? you know, boots on the ground, things change, they have to, you know, swing over to a different location, you know, because something is, you know, flaring up or, you know, what do you do to communicate to all of these people so quickly? We use a couple of different tools. Um, So prior to the start of the project, we're using our Microsoft tool. So Outlook sending from um, a project specific, um, 
address and why that's important is so that our inboxes don't get inundated with communication, simple questions. And also everyone can kind of have their hands in that shared communication mm-hmm. mailbox. Once the project starts, we've also um, tried a couple of different communication um, tools. Uh, so we will amongst the team use uh, like a WhatsApp or mm-hmm. some sort of text group, group me. Um, we've also used Slack where we can mm-hmm. um, break the, the teams up into different folders and disseminate, send files out that are held there, mm-hmm. um, send links, uh, constantly push the information out and have a way for the conversation to be two ways. If there's a question, the resource can also ask us. Uh, so it, it just depends on the size of the project, what the leads are comfortable with using. Uh, we're, we're really flexible with that. Um, and our, our scheduling uh, application shift board that we're currently using is an online scheduling tool, which allows us to push communication out as well. Awesome. Anything you want to add to that, uh, Nicole? No. <laughs> she covered all of them. Yes, <laughs> thank you. What do you do when you are at Go Lives to maybe have a little bit of fun. So let me preface it with, I know that, you know, we're there for work, right? But we have to have a little bit of fun. And so when I was traveling, my Go Lives in Puerto Rico were, you know, three hours from the airport, like the longest one, mainly because the roads are bad. But, you know, three hours, that was one of them. I always made sure when I was flying out of Puerto Rico, because they were winter Go Lives, I would park at a hotel, jump on the ocean, drive off and board the plane. So when I was in California, I would, you know, appropriately timed, hit a winery and and do a wine tasting or, or something like that. I even one time stayed the weekend and instead flew to Arizona and I hiked up and down the Grand Canyon with my parents who have flown out. So do you try to make it uh, you know, fun and involve things in the local area that you're um, you know, get to enjoy a little bit during your go live times, even though I know you don't get to sleep <laughs> a lot during those? <laughs> um, I would say that I typically don't. However, if I am privileged to have a project where we share and we're there together, we we do we try to do a little bit more. But for the most part, yeah. my ideal of a good time or just enjoying myself when I am on projects would be just to find some good food. Like I like to venture mm-hmm. out and just find a restaurant that, you know, sometimes is not so franchisey, but that's they're yeah. known for or something like that. And just try to enjoy a good meal with a cocktail. That's my uh, getaway. So <laughs> I love it. And I would definitely say I'm a, I'm a foodie also. So that's high priority shopping also, but because I live in Vegas, I have access to a lot of the same thing that other states would have. Um, But I am an attraction person. So if I'm somewhere, um, depending on the season, like I'll go to a football game, a basketball game, or see something that's happening, like what is the major attraction? Like, But I will definitely, I will go to every thing that's popular or even that I've seen tagged on social media. But yes, I definitely even like I do like spas or Nicole, I think you're being a little bit modest because she's quite a shopper also. And she does a lot of stuff that I'm mentioning and I don't want to just tell all her business, but she does. Too. <laughs> I love it. I love it. 
Okay, where's the the best place that you've gotten to travel to for work? Now, Nikita, I have another question for you after, but for work, where's your favorite place you've traveled? It's New York for me. Yeah, I I would agree, actually. Yeah. New, New York or New York City? Um, you know, I've been as far up as Cooperstown and that afforded me the luxury of going to the Baseball Hall of Fame. So I've had generally good experiences all up and down um, New York. Um, I'm looking forward to something upstate that'll get me close to uh, Niagara Falls. So mm-hmm. I would say New York as a whole. Yeah. New York City is my mm-hmm. favorite city, though. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Yeah, you too. Okay, so where's your favorite place you've been not for work? Oh, okay. That's yeah. I mean, for me, well, Nikita's probably been to, I don't know, there's so many. What's your list of countries? She's been so many places, so it's going to be tough for her. I know. But, it's be hard uh, for me, I definitely would say Dubai. Uh, I, I had the absolute best time um, there. Yeah, good people, good. The energy, um, the experiences were very nice. So I would say Dubai as of right now. So we'll see. <laughs> and Dubai is very high on my list. Um, and I think that's because of the trip itself. I had a lot of fun with um, the who I went with. Um, but my favorite place on earth right now is Amsterdam. And that's just because... I just like the vibe there. I like, you know, that in in, uh, the Netherlands in general, like bicycles take over the entire road. Mm -hmm. People are just friendly, but still not in your business. It's like a blend of New York and California combined for me. And because I grew up in California, I'm used to that pleasantness, but still kind of mind your own business and allow me to do whatever I can imagine. And that's how it is there. And just staying on the canals, I, I love how it feels. And I've been like four or five times. <laughs> it's on my uh, list. All right. Yeah. I'm coming with you. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We're both. We're both coming with you next time. <laughs> Other than work and, and travel, what else do you do to, you know, relax, have fun, you know, whether it be with family or friends or do you go running or, or yoga or what do you guys like to do to Zen out? <laughs> The most Zen thing I do probably is Bikram yoga. So um, my daughter and I are fans. I've tried to pull Nicole into that, but I don't think that was very relaxing in her opinion. But outside of um, an activity like that, um, I love to scuba dive. It's like the most serene, quiet, peaceful, individual experience that you can have, I think. You are yep, my cucumber. That part. <laughs> if you're scuba diving, knowing a shark can come like around the corner at any time, but this is the most zen place for you. <laughs> it is. It's like it's so it's so quiet. You you can hear things sometimes, but it's like it's like if you if you pressed pause on everything because you are this very small entity or thing. Um, somewhere outside of where you belong. So you're just taking in the entire environment. They don't really bother you. Luckily, I haven't been in any areas where we've had predators come close where we couldn't hop out of the water. But yeah, I think that is eerily peaceful. I love it. How about you? I am not adventurous at all. (laughs) So you will not hear anything of the sorts coming from me. Um, But I'm actually pretty boring. And to be honest with you, 
the most relaxing thing is to relax, literally, to just lay and not have to think and worry and do anything. And I really enjoy when I have those moments because they are very far and in between. So um, that is really (laughs) what I like to do when I don't have anything else to do. So, which is not normal, but yeah. (laughs) I love it. Okay. Other than your superpower of being a cucumber, I ask everybody on the podcast what their superpower is. So other than that, what would you perceive as your superpower and that you're sort of giving back to the world? I think that that, I mean, like that is actually what I would have said yeah. if that wasn't something that you had acknowledged. I think it's the ability to remain calm, but also to um, articulate an issue and resolution to someone um, in, in a heated situation or in any type of environment. So being able to take control of it, um, and turn things around, I think, you know, just to add to that myself remaining cool, usually able to de-escalate something, um, you know, if, if the party is willing, but I think that that is my nonchalantness is my superpower. I would would definitely agree with you on what your superpower is because yes, you have this very um, Zen and just poker face like, okay, it's, it's very nonchalant. I'm not, I have it. Um, And I know you, so I know internally you're like, okay, this is, this is a bit much, but I can't show it right (laughs) now. So I would agree. Um, But for me, um, I would say, honestly, that I feel like I can learn anything. Like, um, I feel like a superpower is just basically being able to adapt and figure out whatever it is that I need to figure out. And um, I like it. Because <laughs> I... You can, you can jump and figure it out on the way down. Out on the way right? down. I, yeah. And I, that is really my life. Not everybody can. <laughs> that is my life. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, not everybody can do that, right? Yeah. And Most even though it drives jump. me crazy while I'm doing it. So it's not, I'm not calm yeah. at all in, in, you know, while I'm doing it, but it gets done. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, see, so that wasn't so bad, right? Being on my podcast. No, it wasn't. (laughs) Will you come again? Yes, I would. (laughs) I would also. Awesome. Well, ladies, thank you so much for being on The Verge. It was a pleasure chatting with you. And I will talk to you soon. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Thanks for tuning into The Verge Podcast, brought to you by Divergent a leading healthcare IT consulting firm. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Be sure to hit the follow button to stay up to date with the latest IT developments and the exciting ways tech is transforming healthcare today.